and I get off the bike and I run into the women's changing tent and there's an abnormally large number of volunteers in that change tent was like looking at me with nobody else. And I was like, uh, and they're like, come over here, sit down, do all that. And I'm like still really confused because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Why are there all these people? Okay, whatever. And I, I take off out of the tent and I start on the run course. My coach is yelling something at me. My husband's yelling something at me. I don't really know. And all of a sudden there's this biker following me and I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, hi, I'm Bob and I'm the second place female biker and I'm going to be with you. And I was like, no, Bob. I was like, listen here. I I have in my head record, like visualized I'm in the back and I run to the front. Like I am not supposed to be here right now. Well, hello everyone. And welcome back to that triathlon age group journey. I am Jillian Carlson, your host, along with my friends, Jay Cunet and Matt Summer. We are all age group triathletes, parents, and full-time working professionals. And this podcast, the mission of it is to bring a new guest each week to discuss their journey and inspire listeners to their finish line goals. This week is our seventh podcast, and we're excited to introduce you to Amanda Almond. We will discuss each other's weeks. Matt will do his quote of the week, and then we'll catch up with Amanda and close things out. So for a quick little background, Amanda started her journey early in life in team sports in high school and continued on to collegiate water polo. After graduating college with a BS in exercise science, she began personal training and teaching fitness group classes. She holds a variety of specialty certificates, including spinning, TRX, pre- and postnatal specialist, and level 2E USAT triathlon coach with TS2 Coaching. Merging her love of sport with a passion for education, Amanda is a master trainer for Matrix Fitness and a few other well-known fitness companies, and she has presented education to trainers across the world. Amanda competed in her first triathlon in 2013 and was hooked ever since. She's had several world championship appearances and even earned a spot back to Kona for 2023, just seven months after giving birth to her youngest child. While Kona will always hold a special place in her heart, Ironman Chattanooga will forever be her favorite place unless they bring back the original Triple T location. When she's not training, you can find her drinking good coffee, chasing around her two young boys, enjoying great food places that Indianapolis has to offer, or walking her black lab. Amanda's mission is to coach people to thrive in all areas of health and help them not only be physically fit, but be inspired to find wellness, leading strong lives with strong bodies. So we can't wait to catch up with her. But first, Jay, Matt, how has this last week gone for you guys? Anything exciting? Uh, it's not been too bad. I'm just kind of keeping with the swing of things. It's that time of year where uh, just being able to check off the box daily and making sure I'm getting things done around the house. And it's just trying to stay above water these days. It seems like everybody's pulling in different directions. And just at my full-time job, it's juggling schedules. Uh, you know, personal training is one of those things where I got to adapt to their schedule. And everybody's got, it seems like everybody's got their, uh, uh, you know, 
a lot of the kids are having performances, Christmas parties at school. So I'm having a lot of uh, rescheduling on my end and athletes that I coach, not calling out any of my name. But, uh, I think they'll probably know this missing workouts, uh, a little bit more flexible in their schedules. And, you know, it's okay. It's, this is the time of year that if you can't miss workouts, you know, don't, don't be guilty. Don't hold yourself accountable for them right now. I can't believe I just said that, but it's okay to miss them sometimes and sleep in a little bit and focus on the family. How about you, Jay? Yeah, I think I could totally understand that. I haven't missed yet, but there've been a few mornings where getting out of bed was not as easy when you have a race right around the corner to inspire you to get up. But I I, I am going to do a 5k tomorrow, the holiday hustle. I got to love nice. those names. Uh, just a, just feel what those speed in the legs look like this time of year after a full, well, two Ironmans and, and one season was no doubt has made it really hard to get back to the the speed now, work. Are you using this, Jay, for uh, like a benchmark? Or are you just using this for fun to get out with the family or what's yeah, this, the occasion? This is a solo benchmark effort scheduled on okay. purpose this way. So reset the zones because really we have no clue what the zones are right now. And uh, <laughs> right. We'll we'll see. It, it the weather's not looking great. Looks like some rain. Originally Oof. they were calling for s- snow, but I think I'd rather have snow rather than it being wet and like thirty eight degrees. That's not going to be fun. But yeah. Anyway, I'd it's rather go on a marathon. So. <laughs> I'd rather. D- I'd rather do a marathon than a 5K. Yeah. 5Ks hurt, man. They it's, hurt. uh, you know, they're so bad. Like the day after a 5K, my calves are talking to me. My back's talking to me. Yeah. Uh, if you yeah. know, you know, but it's yeah. just, uh, especially I, and you're doing it smart by going out there and doing it in race fashion. It's so hard to get out there intrinsically motivated and just lay it down for 3.1 without somebody in front of you. It's yep. I, yep. not my favorite thing. So. I just keep repeating myself to remember it's going to hurt. Just embrace the suck and and just do it because that's all you can do. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I think you just have me have to go out and do 3.1 solo on a track (laughs) last weekend. (laughs) I I did. I did. I actually have had a couple athletes that have had 5K assessments these past couple days. And I fully, fully acknowledged them. I'm like, listen, going out and doing this solo is not fun. If you can motivate yourself and get out there and you got to push yourself. And I mean, that that's part of training. Let's be honest. You got to find that third gear. First gear is physical. Second gear is physical. Third gear is mental. And you got to be able to dig deep and find that third gear and really push it when it comes time. I don't know. It's something about FTPs and 5K time trials, grit, tenacity, you know? I love it. But anyway, Amanda, how's your week been? Well, we're coming off of some early on sickness in the week with children. So (sighs) I did miss some workouts this week, but my main focus for the off season was to lift uh, and get back some strength that I had lost with postpartum and then jumping into an Ironman and kind of making it to uh, the start line there and then getting back on the bike. So I've nailed some key bike and lifting workouts this week, but I did not manage to make it to the pool. So <laughs> part of that, because you can't bring sick children to childcare and that limits my amount of pool time. I don't have a pool at my house. So, but that's n- next week's a new week. But I agree with you all. I, Matt, on Thanksgiving, I ran a 5K for tests to see where I was benchmark. And I got done. I said, I think I'd rather do an Ironman. Like, I'd rather spend all day. If you promised me a turkey dinner at the end of Ironman, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> uh, the 5K was just a little too short. And I didn't really know what to do with myself for, and it just hurts a lot more yeah. the whole time. 
<laughs> yeah, burns no in the doubt. chest. <laughs> so it yes. is my back is what gets me. It is over yeah. a lot sooner. <laughs> so I didn't. It is it true. <laughs> I feel. I almost feel like the the focus it takes though for me to be like to talk myself into death essentially while you're going is is <laughs> exactly. the same the same amount as Iron Man. Like I can zone two for a really long time. Zone two, three. And kind of be like, oh, I can just check out for a little and just cruise in at a fastest pace, but cruise. Whereas a 5K and like, you know, one, if you take a corner too wide or th- that could cost you this race, like you got to be on your game, the whole whatever it's going to take you. And it, it's just willing to go to like the dark place and like uh, very end, dark. <laughs> yes. Yes. And just end in like utter like destruction of yourself and like then watch the 16 year old beat you because they're cross country runners. And, and you're like, you're half my age. <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> counting on that happening too. <laughs> in, 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 in my case, half of them are like 70 pounds less than me too. You know, I'm 185 pounds and I'm out there trying to race some of these boys. And it's like, they're, they're a buck 15 soaking wet. And here I am 180 five pounds keeping up but we'll see yeah, age is catching up though not quite as fast as i used to be <laughs> but i I, but. I told my brother-in-law when he proposed to my sister he used to run in college and he was pretty he's fast and the short distance and i looked at him i said listen here you heard her and i might not be able to catch you right away but i will hunt you down because i know <laughs> yeah. i can run a heck of a lot farther and he was like i'm actually scared <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you you do iron Hi. man's for fun i'm actually scared <laughs> yeah well, I think Funny, we're demonstrating so. some mutual respect between our running friends and triathlon friends because they look at us as crazy. We look at them as crazy. So we're all crazy. It's yeah, it's true. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so. Yeah. And this week, uh, getting back into, I've been getting back into training, I guess. So, but, you know, l- work and life is still pretty crazy. Um, today I have a, my daughter just turned 15. So while we're recording, she's probably finishing cleaning up her room. And in about a half an hour to an hour, my house will start to be filled with about six or seven other 14, 15 year old girls. And her brother is out spending the I know spending the night for her his friend's birthday that happens to be this weekend too. So he is probably grateful to be out of the house for the weekend. Usually he at least accompanies me and we kind of do something on our own to try to, you know, let the girls have their space. But today it'll be just, I guess, me and the dog um, trying to survive seven, eight other um, teenage girls in the house all night long. So suddenly a 5K sounds fun. Yeah, right. (laughs) Jillian, when does learner's permit start getting talked about? Oh, it's been it's been talked about. So it's trying to find the driver's ed class that will that has the times that will um, not interfere with volleyball and school. So um, she's researching all of that. And, and a lot of them are so full. And it's very different than when we were probably younger, where you just walk to the DMV, take a test, and here's your permit. And now there's just a lot more requirements and and taking, making sure that you're signed up for driver's ed and all of that stuff. So, um, but they book up pretty quick. So that's, that's next on the agenda because she's uh, definitely chomping at the bit to get some time behind the wheel, which scares the heck out of me. So it's going to ask how you felt about that. (laughs) It's a whole new dynamic, but, uh, but yeah, it does make things a little bit easier. So we'll see. We'll see. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
So Matt, what quote do you have lined up for us this week? Does it have anything to do with driver's ed? Well, sort of, maybe. It definitely has to do, I hear this one out of my son all the time and out of, well, heck, children in particular, but I think all of us are guilty of it. The quote is, there are only seven days in the week and someday is not one of them. I think that's all about procrastination. I mean, dreams, ambition, goals, or however else you want to label them, they all start with the first step. And then another step must follow. And then another must step follow immediately after that. There are going to be obstacles along the way, but you must not let them make you stop. I think that's the most important thing to remember, no matter where we are in our life. You know, you just got to keep moving forward, keep showing up, keep making it happen. Um, you might get two quotes out of me today. I think uh, one of my other favorite ones was Winston Churchill. Success is going from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. And I think that's important to remind people as well. Someday is not a day. You got to get started. Um, like we talked about last week, you got to plant the seed. You just got to keep trying and showing up. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's a, a great one. You know, as you're looking forward and this is coming up on time for setting goals and a lot of people, you know, will wait to start them for at the turn of the year, first of January. But one thing to maybe keep in mind and remember too, is that why, why wait till Jan one? Because it could be just another delay tactic. Um, if it's something you want, start now, start today, not not someday or on the first. Yeah. And I, I just had that conversation with my coach this week, I think might've been last week, but er, recently of the second quote, Matt, of um, it, it, you have to be willing to fail, like in order to find your highest and greatest potential. And that was one of the things is kind of gets into some of the stuff I want to talk about and encourage people with. But that was one of the things I found coming back from pregnancy was I put myself out there being willing to fail and knowing that at the end of the day, my kids don't care. I come home and they're going to love me regardless. They don't know. They like, they have no idea what place I came in or anything, but I showed up and gave my best effort. And that's what it was for every workout was being willing to go back with the groups that I had trained with before when I was in the mix and knowing I was going to get dropped every ride but knowing it was going to make me faster and help me reach the goals that I wanted to achieve. And so it was being willing to show up, not be perfect, not be first, to be dead last every time, to be the one in the back, but knowing that that's what it was going to take to get back to where I wanted to be. It's funny you say that, Amanda, because one of the things at race week, when I talk with my athletes about is a way to deal with race anxiety. A lot of times during race week, during the taper is I tell them like, Hey, listen, reach out to the people that are on team Amanda, team Jillian, team Jay. It's not just you. Triathlon is not an individual sport. Like whether it's your bike mechanic, whether it's a training partner, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, um, the barista at the coffee shop that you go to after group rides, thank them. Thank them for being in your corner because at the end of the race, when you come back to those people and you tell them you did a 1620 Ironman or you tell them you did a 940, they're excited. They're happy because they're seeing you do something that you're passionate about and that brings joy to your life. They have no concept of what that means. That's why we have each other because we can geek out over this stuff together and then we really understand it. But as long as you're happy at the end of the day, like you said about your boys, your spouse, your family, like my mom has no clue what I, what I mean when I tell her I did it 11, whatever in an Ironman. Oh, that's great, Matthew. Way to go, you know, but she's happy because I'm finding joy in what I'm doing. So no, you're exactly right. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think as a parent trying to teach a child about someday not being a day is 
I, I think one of the most frequent and constant lessons we are teaching in a household. And I think the best way always is to demonstrate it by example and show them you can't put off till the next day or someday. You got to get it done now. And if you yourself are procrastinating and you have a little one in the house, they're watching and they're picking up on it and they're finding the same excuse. So totally guilty uh, right here as charged. But I do know it's something I think about a lot and I have to be watching it and hoping to instill those values for them because one day they're going to be talking about someday. So really cool. Love that one. Um, definitely. I think it resonated with all of us. I definitely want to jump right in. Jillian did a great intro for Amanda. I've been fortunate enough to know Amanda since 2018. I think I counted it up, Amanda. And we wait, we have raced five races together and I've yet to beat you. Um, so <laughs> we can kind of laugh about that. I got to meet Amanda first back at Triple T in 2018 at Shawnee State Park. It was the original location. We were joking about that before the race that the hills had hills there. And uh, just about how how nasty and filthy that course was, filthy in a good way and a dirty way. I think we raced at 70.3 Worlds in France, and we've also raced Ironman Maryland together in 2018, where you first qualified for Kona. Um, Before the jellyfish. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, before the jellyfish, absolutely, when they were not an issue. Yep. And then we also got to race 70.3 Worlds this year in St. George together. Yes. Um, not on the same day, but we both were at the same race. So um, I've known Amanda for quite some time, a uh, very strong racer. I think she has a great story. Where A lot of parallels between her and I with the fitness industry, both being national presenters for uh, different companies out there in the industry and both being coaches. So I know we have a lot of similar philosophies, but M- Amanda, welcome, excited to hear about your journey and you. uh, just kind of how you got into the sport and well, can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. So I, like I said, I started or like Jillian said, I started triathlon in 2013, basically because I had somehow played collegiate water polo. I don't even really know how that happened, but I somehow started playing collegiate water polo and played sophomore through senior year. And when I graduated and left, I was like, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I miss competition. And what now? And I was working, um, I taught high school at the time, and was working part time at a Y to as a personal trainer group fitness to try and help pay off student loans earlier. And one of my peers at the Y was like, you should do a triathlon, you'd be fantastic because you played water polo, you won't be scared to swim with people. And I was like, I bought into that. Like she hooked me if there was something she was like, you know, it's gonna be awesome. So I signed up for a sprint and then a 70.3 that year, neglecting to realize that the swim was the shortest part. (laughs) And I was going to have to ride a bike. And I hadn't been on a bike since I was like 11 years old. So needless to say, I did my first sprint without a pair of bike shorts on and quickly bought myself a pair of bike shorts uh, and then did my first 70.3 that fall. And I, to put it in perspective, because I think sometimes, and if people don't know my story, like, oh, you just always been fast. And to put it in perspective for anybody who understands racing and and numbers, my first half, I biked a 408. Okay. So I biked a 408, got a coach, got more serious. That was in like 2013, end of 2013. And when I went to Maryland, where the race that Matt was talking about, in 2018 and raced a full, so twice the distance. 
and I biked a 517. So I, I put in work in that point in time. And from 20, the end of 2013 to Maryland, uh, I had gotten married the first time, moved from my hometown, from everyone I knew, started teaching at a YMCA there. Uh, and that's where I met my teammates who introduced me to Triple T and and some of the people who really formed this little there was it was a small town it was an even smaller triathlete community there but this group of people who were like yeah like we're into this and you should come do this awesome race and I was like oh you don't understand like I'm just I'm not a good cyclist and three races four races in a weekend like I'm not there's no way and I said listen like you come help us we'll help you and I think that's one of the things that I've loved about triathlon like yes there are some bad apples in triathlon, right? But for the most part, I've found a lot of people are really willing to help and be nice and work with people. And I found some of my best friends through the sport and the people who stuck with me and have become like family. Um, and so it's been it's been super awesome. So fast forward from 2013 to 2018. And I started with my now coach at the beginning of 2018 and kind of said, hey, like I did Ironman Lake Placid. I was hoping in 2017, was hoping I wouldn't love it. I love this long distance stuff. I think I could be really good at it. I kind of want to qualify for Kona. Like, what do you think? And he was just kind of like, yeah, like, let's see what you can do. And so we put together a, a season from start to finish that was up until this year, uncomparable, incomparable, and just had no idea. Like, I had no idea what my level of performance could possibly be. And it just was kind of, it was, it was really, again, till this year, it was like top experience, right? Like I was setting new records. I was running faster than I ever had before. By the time we got to Ironman, I think I won Triple T that year, Matt, yep. that we raced at the beginning, won for the women. And I, like, you won it the two years we raced together, 18 we did, and 19. We, I did win it in 19 again as well. Yes. Um, but in 2018, I mean, I'd never won anything before ever. And all of a sudden I started to like buy into this. And it ended up being our team hashtag the next year, but dream bigger. Like what if we're our own, like we're our biggest limiting factor because our dreams aren't big enough. And so what I started to realize was like, you had to find this group of people too, who believed that you could be better than you even believed, um, went to Maryland and had honestly the race of my life, right? Not a great swim. So for some reason, swimming seems to be the bane of my existence. And I was swimming a lot at the time. Uh, had a bad swim. I almost went the wrong direction. It was just like, whatever. I came out of the, and people were mean. I got my wristband ripped off. Like you can't cut those wristbands off for Ironman for anything. And I got it ripped off in the water. I still have not found that wristband to this day. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that was a brutal swim. The picture of me finishing the swim, I look mad. I was like, hey, I've got a plan. I'm going to get on the bike, right? And patience is not my strong suit. Uh, triathlon has taught me a lot of patience. Ironman has taught me patience. And so I just kept repeating to myself as people were flying by me on the bike at the beginning, like, you're going to catch them. You just got to wait. You just got to wait. You just got to wait. And so sure enough, I caught almost everybody I needed to, except for this one girl. She went flying by me. Like I, and I was probably going 22 miles an hour and she went by me like I was sitting still. And I was like, oh, it's probably one of those fast 40 year olds, right? Like <laughs> I'll get there someday. You go ahead. You're not in my age group. Well, she was in my age group. And at the time I knew I had to get first in my age group to win. So I get off the bike. I was fortunate enough to have my coach at that race. 
And he said, it's the only time he's ever lied to me. And he's like, I just told you, you're right where you want to be coming off the bike. He's like, because I figured that's what you needed to hear more than you're down by 23 minutes. Uh, so he's like, you're right where you want to be. Uh, you, you got a few people to catch. No problem. Don't worry. And so I start catching. I see at that time, you still were writing your age on your calf, right? So like I knew as I was catching people like, oh, okay. So I caught the first two who were ahead of me in my age group pretty quickly. And I was feeling good about myself. And then I see him and he's like, Amanda, listen to me. I see my coach. He's like, you are down by six miles. And I was like, excuse me, you told me I was right where I wanted to be. And I'm not right where I want to be because I'd like to be a little closer. He's like, but you've got 16. So you're fine. Just run your race, run the plan. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm, this is, but okay, I'll trust you. It's like, you're going to be fine. Just keep running your race. So sure enough, right around, like, I think it was actually like mile 13, 14. I see this girl who had flown by me on the bike and it's like the skies parted, the sun came down and just like shone on this girl. And I was like, Oh no, that's who I'm looking for. And so I see her, I know I've got a race with her. So I'm kind of behind her. My coach is, happens to be like off to the side and he's just like quietly clapping because we don't want to like tip her off that I'm right behind her. So, I, and I don't know what to do. Do I pass her? And I was like, 10 miles is a long way to race somebody. And so I just decided I was going to stay there. I end up passing her because she stole my water at an aid station, which I told myself she stole it. She didn't steal it. There's like 20,000 cups of water. But in my <laughs> mind, she stole my water and my rationale at like 120 miles into the race was, well, I can't live without water. So I better pass her. And at least I can just tell myself I'm going to grit this out. Right. So like I tell myself logically that I need to pass her because I'm going to die if I don't get water. Um, irrational things we tell ourselves. It works out. I pass her. I end up winning my age group by about 20 minutes and all said and done at the end in just a race that and, and PR. I mean, when sub, my stretch goal was sub 10, had no idea where I was. When I crossed the finish, it said like 10.02. And I was like, oh, I was so close. <laughs> and I get done and the lady's like, no, I think you were a lot closer than you thought. And I go over, find my coach and teammates. I'm delirious. And they're like, you went 9.59.19. And I was like, what? Like I made it. And they're like, listen, you're going to Kona. Like, how do you feel? And I was like, awful. Like I feel terrible. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it was truly this moment of watching like on any given day, I, I ran a three twenty three marathon. I've never run that fast in my life. I hadn't run that fast in a training run. And we said like, that's when dream bigger started. And it was like, what I ran that day not having any expectations other than to give my best effort and follow the plan. And I knew that we could probably do something real cool if everything went right, right? Because there's a lot of variables in triathlon. So I ended up qualifying for Kona. I go to get divorced in that time, go to Kona in 2019. <laughs> this is like part of the, so I, I end up separating from my husband. I get divorced. I go 2019, go to Kona, have some good success at the beginning of 2019, and then really just had not a great Kona. All things said and done probably wasn't awful in comparison. Like if people look at my time, like, Oh, like, well done third American in your age group. And I was like, it was not what I wanted. Right. So the thought was always revenge Kona. And so then 2020, we talk about, well, I'm single now. What am I going to do? I think I'm going to go pro. So that was the goal. I was going to go pro. And then we all know the world shut down in 2020. 
And <laughs> so that quickly ended racing for 2020. I ended up meeting my now husband in the beginning of 2020. And I kind of looked at him. I was like, listen, I'm going to still go pro. I don't know about this. And he has a young child. And so I was kind of like, oh, now I'm also a stepmom and my fitness industry shut down. So I wasn't working. So I'm like full-time mom kind of helping out and all this, everybody else's. And I'm like, I do not even know what just happened to my life. I was like, I'm never going to get married again. I'm going to race all day long and that is going to be it. And now like I fell in love. I have this kid. I'm not racing. I don't even know. Like my head was like ready to explode on a daily basis. And then I realized maybe I do actually want children. Like I had pushed that out of my mind probably because I was in a bad relationship prior. And so it just was not in my mind, not right. Then all of a sudden now I have feelings and I can cry. And I was like, this is not my like, what? I don't even know what to do with this. So we make it through 2020. And I was like, this timing is all wrong. Like I should have had a kid in 2020 when nobody was racing. And I could have come back in 2021. Right. We end up I get pregnant in 2021. And I'm like, okay, this is it. We're like, I'm, I'm taking time. I've got it planned out though, right? Like beginning of 2020, I'll be done with this at the end of 2021. I can go back to race in 2022. Again, we're back on Amanda's schedule. Okay, this is going to be great. Um, and then I, I miss Carrie. I'm devastated. I'm like, okay, I drag myself out of that. I throw myself back into training, right? Like that was going to be, I'm like, okay, we're back. I'm back to racing. Like I'll just... Un like I'll take back my registrations that I said I was going to defer. I'm going to race. Um, I was back to like peak shape, the best shape I've ever been in. I'm running 400 repeats faster. I'm ready for my first 70.3. And like three weeks before Steelhead uh, in 2021, I start feeling a little nauseous one day and I'm like, wow, we moved. We bought a house. I'm like explaining it away. And then one day I was like, something is not right. Like, I don't know. Some, some, I'm not sure about this. Uh, and I'm pregnant. And so there goes, and not just like, oh, pregnant, but you could race. Cause I know there are women who have raced pregnant and they're like, I crushed it. And I was two months pregnant. No, I was like, I went from being okay to flat out miserably sick, like overnight. And I was just so nauseous. And I trained one of my training partners is a doctor and she was like, I really don't think you should race. Uh, <laughs> also, it's going to be like 100 degrees on race day and I'm concerned about you. And I was like, okay, you're probably right. And sure enough, like I was so nauseous for the first three months. There was no choice to race or anything. And I kind of, I looked at it, I was like, people are like, oh, like what's, what's worse, Ironman training or pregnancy? And I was like, yo, pre I've thrown up more during pregnancy than Ironman training. This is terrible. But okay, we're here. We're making it. I make it through. I've still got this plan, right? I'm like, okay, probably going to come a little bit early, right? Because I'm I'm fast and I'm good at everything. I can just have this kid early. But yet, no, uh, instead of in January, Oliver came in February. So we're like, I'm pushing it to, hey, I've deferred everything from 2021 to 2022. And now I have to race Steelhead on June 25th. And this is limiting my time. They told me, they're like, listen, you better not come back and you cannot get on your bike early. Like you, you need to heal first. My doctor was very adamant. She's like, I know you and you need, you need to take the six weeks. Um, hindsight. And I know Chelsea Sodaro who won Kona this year said this has, has vocalized this now post Kona of wait, like take the time, heal, 
spend the time. And thankfully, I have some some women in my life who are like, hey, you don't get these early days back. And like, you like also don't do more harm than good, right? Like take the time. There's no pressure. Like I know you see a lot of these pro athletes who are hopping back on three, like all three days post-birth. And I gave like, when did my first hour and a half bike ride? And thankfully, like, I waited the six weeks. I didn't, I did, I was allowed to do some stretching. I could walk. So I did that as tolerated, but I waited and I soaked up that time. Um, and for, if anybody's listening who is in that position, like take the time, heal, like it makes things go a lot better in the long run. Uh, and I, I regret zero part of that, but then there's the part of me was like, okay, I got back. My first workout return was March 24th. And I've got a race on June 25th. Uh, (laughs) And so here we go up until June 25th. And again, when you're used to training at a high level and like your body just doing whatever you want it to do when it doesn't, and some days it just tells you no, or there's there, there also happened to be a formula shortage during all of this, right? So not only like now it wasn't just like, well, if you don't eat enough, and you can't nurse anymore, you can't pump and you can't provide food for your baby, it'll be fine because there's formula. Uh, There was no formula. So now it was like, shoot, I have to, I mean, I I was eating five to 6,000 calories a day training for a 70.3 part time. Like I was training very minimally and I've never been so hungry in my entire life. And it was just, it, it was a constant like schedule, I would pump while I was biking in the garage, I would like to get to a long ride, I'd be driving and I had a car pump, like and I would have sometimes I'd bring my child with me and I'd loop around the house and come back and feed my child. Like, it was just a lot of juggling and a lot to to manage to get to that start line in steelhead. Um, And so I show up to steelhead in June. And my coach Nick had uh, sent me the night before he's like, listen, you got nothing to lose. You got two healthy kids. You've got a husband who loves you. You've got a team who supports you. Like, go out and have fun. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I've not run longer than seven miles. I run walk still. Like, this is just not like, I don't even know what to do. And he was just like, listen, just go out and enjoy racing again. Like, that's your only goal here is to go out and enjoy racing. So it's literally what I did. I, and to my like, detriment I didn't realize my watch was on indoor swim mode indoor trainer bike mode and then run so I had no metrics for the swim I had no metrics for the bike I could see my cadence but I could not see distance or anything and I was just like uh I guess we're really just going off feeling fun right now like okay like this is where we're at Um, And thankfully for the run, I had some pacing and could tell a little bit about my metrics and my heart rate. So I could at least gauge where I was there. But I finished steelhead and like it hurt by the last couple of miles. I was like, oh, I can tell I have not run in a long time, like this long. But I finished and I was like, man, I think maybe for the first time ever, that was fun. Like I loved every second of this. And I ended up on the podium. I mean, I couldn't. And like if you would have told now again, that depends on how everybody else's day goes and all of this. But if you would have told me, hey, four months postpartum, you're going to be back on the podium. And it was at that point in time when I started to think about Chattanooga and Ironman Chattanooga and going to Kona again. And it was going to be like revenge Kona, right? That we talked about, like going back to Kona. And it was like, hey, this might actually be possible. Um, And so like I said in, in your intro, 
there was a lot of showing up and, and I talked this through with my coach of being willing to fail. Like you're going to have to go out there to workouts and you're going to have to settle for being back of the pack. You're going to have to, knowing that it's going to make you better. Um, and you're going to have to just figure out how to mentally, that's always been one of my challenges that I don't like to lose. I don't do well with being second. And he's like, Hey, like these people have all been training. They didn't just have a kid. They're not sleep. And you're going to have to figure out and be okay with being second. And I said, okay, if I commit to that, I think it's going to get me to where I need to be. And so it was this huge shift in my thinking from like to say like prior COVID, Amanda, like that was just like, I need to be the best. I have to be fast. And I really struggled. I do think that was my demise at Kona leading up to it was I wasn't willing to fail workouts. Like I had to have this level of success and I couldn't see the long term that failing was actually going to make me better. And so that shifted. And I don't know if that's, I haven't pinned it down yet to know if that's childbirth, if that's because of everything that happened in between there that I've grown. Uh, But I think it's a little bit of everything. And then like we said, at the end of the day, coming home to my kids, they don't care. They don't care if I ran my best training run or don't. They're like, mommy, we run faster. We run too. Like we go, we go for our run around the block. Like, yes, I'm here for it. I'm there. Let's do it. So we go to chat and again, show up on this day. I've got a bunch of teammates there racing and four of us specifically who trained together who were like, Hey, like, let's all go back to Kona, right? Like, why not? Let's see. And, but that never happens. Like you don't show up on a day, two guys, two girls, and everybody makes it. And so we all did. We showed up that day and that made it that much more special. And I like, get to the swim for, if you don't know chat, it's my favorite course now because it's a downriver swim. And so I swam that one, 2.4 miles in 47 minutes. And let me tell y'all, it's amazing. Like I stopped to fix my goggles and I'm still like moving at my normal pace of swimming. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. Like this is what the pros feel like, but with a lot less work. So the bike's a little bit longer. It's a pretty hilly bike. And it was pouring rain. It was windy. It was rainy. It was not ideal for bike. I mean, at one point in time, it was like thunder and lightning at the top of the hill. And I was like, they're going to pull us off this course. This is going to ruin my day. They didn't. The Ironman will just let you go, come, from, come to find out. like So make it through the bike. And I get off the bike and I run into the women's changing tent. And there's an abnormally large number of volunteers in that change tent was like looking at me with nobody else. And I was like, uh, and they're like, come over here, sit down, do all that. And I'm like, still really confused. Cause I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Why are there all these people? Okay, whatever. And I, I take off out of the tent and I start on the run course. My coach is yelling something at me. My husband's yelling something at me. I don't really know. And all of a sudden there's this biker following me and I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, hi, I'm Bob and I'm the second place female biker and I'm going to be with you. And I was like, no, Bob. I was like, listen here, I I have in my head record like visualized I'm in the back and I run to the front. Like I am not supposed to be here right now. So I look at him and I we were in bright yellow kits this year with my team kit. And I said, Well, do you know if number one's in a bright yellow kit? Because I think she's my teammate. And he's like, Well, yeah, but she came through. I don't know if you can catch her. I was like, I don't need to catch her. <laughs> I know that's not gonna happen. I just needed to know that she was in first and we take off running and I ended up because of the rolling start in third place overall female with a new PR that day on a course that's longer on the bike, shorter on the swim. Uh, But 
just, but the cool part was what, and I think like the thing we reflected on on that day. And when I tell people the story, I'm like the coolest part of that race was not only what I did, but we did it as a team. And it was all of us together rooting for each other and willing to show up every Saturday and get our butts kicked by each other and put in the work and meet each other. And then like, go to bat for each other, right? It's like, hey, like, if you know, you're not going to run by yourself, like, I'll meet you, even if it's not ideal, I'll meet you. Like several of their, the guys wives would watch my kids for me while I so I could go run. I'm like, hey, like, I can go, but I have children, like, can you watch this kid for me while I go for this hour run with your husband? Thank you so much. Like, whatever it happens to be. And the cool part was doing it all together. And to finish on that, that day, and then go to the awards banquet. And our, uh, our last guy got a roll down spot, which for men, you know, it's hard to get that roll down spot for Kona. And we thought for sure he didn't have it. We had mapped it out and number four didn't take it. And he was number five and he got that spot. And I've never cheered so loud for anything in my entire life of being like, yes, the mission was accomplished. We did it. Like now we're all going to Kona for blood. Some of us now in 2023 and some of us in 2024, but it's okay. We're going to get there either way. Uh, And we're going to make each other better along the journey of that and get to focus on our other teammates and for this year, it'll be for us, us women going back. And, uh, but I think just the lessons I've learned along the way of, of like, if I can impart onto people is like, a, like find the people around you who believe you can do bigger things like than you even know. So that when you lose sight of that, cause you will, cause the days are long, especially in endurance and Ironman training, the days are long. And if you don't have people who are willing to say like, no, you could do this, you could be this fast, you could actually do like there's more to give when you're on your like 20th, 120 to 140 mile bike ride. And you're like, this is just awful. Uh, you forget that. And so you need the people who dream bigger than you do to surround you. I think like in having those people like my kids, like my husband who they don't care. Like if I have a bad performance, it doesn't matter. And I can shake that at the door. One also because having a 10 month old and a two and a half year old is just chaos in a different way. I know I don't have to worry about driving, but like currently I'm not sure if my Christmas tree is still standing up and if like half of it's <laughs> been eaten. So, you know, we're good, but have, having that something to get you out of the negative mindset, whether it's kids, whether it's a pet, whether it's like a place you go or a coffee shop or something to get you out of that mindset is ex- exceedingly beneficial. And then being willing to fail. Like, I think as soon as I realized that, that if I continue to show up and be willing to fail, like I wasn't willing to do that for Kona. And that was my downfall the first time. And I'm not going to make that mistake again. And so being willing to show up and do the work and get my butt kicked, get second place. I was like, shoot, if I get second place, like if I get last place every day, but it makes myself better until Kona, but then I achieve what I want to at Kona, wasn't that worth it? Like that was my end goal. Why, why be like, why need to be first on the track workout this week and, and not train to my full potential when I could be like, when that doesn't get me to my goal. Um, and so I think that that was a huge shift in mindset for me. And then the, the last thing that I have brought through all of this, because with kids, with a job, with a spouse who works like in all of this is like, you got to give yourself some grace sometimes. And so, and some of that at the beginning of 
my journey back postpartum was just like, hey, if I don't have enough sleep and enough to eat or I can't keep up with this, I can't train. And so kind of giving myself that that ability to refocus and to know that that might change throughout the season. Like we were talking about at the beginning, you know, Christmas time, like off season, if something falls through the cracks, it's probably okay. If it means like you get that extra morning of sleep and you don't get sick because you're not sleep deprived, it's probably okay for December. Three weeks out from your key race of the season, you got to nail that. Like you don't get the chance to skip that. So it's learning how to balance and then to give yourself grace. Like if you've been up all night with a sick kid and you get one workout for the day, which one do you pick? Like having that for me, it helps having a discussion with a coach and and being able to have that discussion, but also knowing that like, it's not the one workout that makes or breaks you. It's what you've done the past 365 days. Like, and you've got to rely on the consistency and the experience sometimes as well that that's going to be the the breaker. So consistency and grace on a daily basis uh, that I, for a while, my, my mantra was just give a hundred percent right now. And if my hundred percent was 25% of what it normally was, it was a hundred percent for that day. And that made a difference and showing up to every workout like that of, Hey, even if I'm dead tired, I'm just going to get on my bike and see what I've got. And some days I had it and some days I didn't, but it was okay. Like I showed up with 100% of what I had. That's what made the difference uh, in coming back. And I think going forward, it's a much um, better mindset and a much healthier mindset and really a more successful way to train and also to coach. (laughs) We take a lot of lessons to coaching. You've thrown a lot out there at us. I mean, that's an extraordinary journey from, you know, that first 70.3 to two Kona qualifiers. Along the ways, you've had a ton of hiccups. I mean, you echoed a lot of them, you know, obviously going through a divorce, going through a miscarriage, going through pregnancy. That's a lot for people to deal with, a lot of load to carry on your back, a lot to carry in the mind. And it sounds like you use training as a way to kind of combat some of that. But what would be your biggest advice to somebody that is is going through some struggles like that with training and getting back to an imbalancing life, balancing training. And what would, what kind of advice would you give them? So it's funny when you get divorced, nobody tells you that everybody who either is thinking about getting divorced is currently going through a divorce or has been through a divorce is also going to ask you for advice. And so <laughs> I've actually had this discussion with people. And the first thing I do tell people is I'm like, be aware that addiction comes in many forms. And so like some people turn to alcohol, some people turn to drugs, some people turn to workouts and and training, right? Like, so there is that too, of does training help me sometimes? And like, is it a good mental release? A hundred percent, but it doesn't replace therapy. Okay. So I'm a, uh, my husband and I are both huge proponents of therapy, of therapy together, of life coaching, whatever it happens to be. But I tell people at, at the same time too, when I find that I'm training to say like, screw you, I'm better than this, which is what I did really for a while in my first marriage was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I can do this. It wasn't for me. And so when I can self-reflect and find that it's not for me anymore, that it's, or it's becoming a chore or I'm having trouble, that you've got to turn that off and do something else. In some other situations, I've also found like I know some people are like, oh, I just need to go slam some kettlebells, right? Or like do a hard trainer workout or go run some intervals. And I found that works sometimes. I've also found that sometimes high intensity just amplifies the spiral of downward. Like if you're really mad, 
is just going to make you, it amplifies that intense emotion. And so for me, sometimes it's, I'm going to go walk today, or I'm just going to put my snorkel on and my goggles and go swim because it's methodical, it's repetitive, and it's not super high intensity uh, (laughs) because I'm not that fast of swimming. But like, but it's my head is underwater, nobody can, and I'm just kind of there to process through. But at that point in time, too, I also know there's something to be said for going for a run and just venting to that person and knowing that it's going to stay at that run. Right. And like getting it all off your chest in a workout and having somebody to talk to. So I guess for people who are going through it, you know, find somebody who you can trust who you. And for me, that's a lot of the people I train with who you can talk to about what you're going through because talking it out helps a lot, but then also be careful that you're not using training to replace doing the work and and help, like not using it as a cover for what truly is the emotion in there. And that a lot of times, especially that first year post-divorce, I think I was doing a lot of that. And I really struggled going from training in a way of saying, like, I'll prove you wrong to this is for me. Right. And I'm and and that was a very hard transition for me. And like and then on the hard workouts and when you weren't winning all the time, right? Cuz like once you hit a certain level of threshold, the improvements start to slow down. Like when you're here and you're going to here, you get a lot of gold stars. When you're here going to here, you get a very few gold stars. And so without those gold stars, like it really sent me into a spiral as well. And so I had to start picking different things to win for the day. Like my win was getting on the bike and finishing the workout as opposed to doing it perfectly. Um, and I think like maybe at that point in time too, being willing to fail in workouts wasn't necessarily like, I felt like everything else in my life had collapsed. And so maybe that's why being willing to fail was harder at that time as well. So refocusing, especially if you're a competitive person or you're the type of person who goes all into something all the time, having another outlet and being able to look at it when it becomes an unhealthy part of of the process. Do I also think that there's maybe nothing greater and more spiritual and more like recovery-esque as a like 120 mile bike ride in a beautiful location? No, I think that's like perfect. It's great. It's fantastic as well, but there's a balance. And so looking for that balance and then finding the people you can trust and share when you need to, because definitely talking yeah. through some things and having people who are just going to listen and not be like, yeah, screw him or, oh, that's terrible. Just having people be like, yeah, okay. Like just let, let it all out. And we're not going to amplify your anger or whatever's going on. We're just going to let you get it all out and it's going to be fine. And then we'll move on. And and that's been really beneficial for that. I would definitely agree with you. I mean, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were doing our gratitude podcast, the thing that I said I was most grateful for were people. And I think it goes back to that, whether it's training partners or somebody just to listen to, because I think whether whatever we're going through hard in our life, sometimes I, and I'm guilty of this. I think it's only me. Nobody else has ever experienced this. I'm the only one. And I think if we're not afraid to talk about it with peers, training partners, friends, family, quickly learn you're not alone. Like other people go through the same thing and having somebody that's willing to listen and not try to fix it. And I think what you said that you're not alone. You got other people around you that have gone through it. You weren't the first person to go through a divorce, nor was Was I, (laughs) Um, you know, and, um, you know, it's funny how many, when you are going through one, you meet everybody and you're like, Oh, I didn't know you, you've been through one. It's all of a sudden it's like, 
a lot of people have been through this. And, you know, same with, it, with miscarrying. I was shocked at the number of people who I would have never known or who had opened up and like really blown away because divorce, you kind of know, like sometimes you can kind of know, right? Like, yeah. oh, they were together, they weren't. There's no pictures on Instagram. Miscarriage, like, you may have no idea whatsoever. And I bet if a right. hundred women reached out to me and said, I'm so sorry. 98 of them followed it with, I've been there too, or I'm currently going through this too, or I have. And I was yeah. like, man, like at the same time too, it's also important why we need to talk to people about it, right? Because like we're hardwired for connection and we're not meant to go through things alone. And there are so many people who are like, I wish I could have opened up to somebody. And I was like, I'm sad for you. You don't have somebody to talk to. Like right. I knew I could call, like I could pick up the phone and call two people right away and be like, Hey, I need this. Or like, this is what happened. Just like be there. Like when I show up to the group run and I'm in tears, this is why like, but I'm still going to show up. And it's so I like, I think it's hugely important. Like you said, to find those people, but to know like, that's an important part of life. And I think when you go through the sweat, and blood and tears of Ironman training of training for triathlon with people repeatedly. I think that just makes it like, those are your battle buddies, right? Like those are the people you've gone yeah. like, and they see you at your worst. Like they walked in the porta potty right after you did They You got no secrets. Uh, we're in spandex yeah. all the time. Like there is no secrets among friends anymore. And so like, those are the people you can talk to and trust and know they've got your back and it's pretty awesome. No, that's very cool. Yeah, man, I think it's really neat that you do have some teammates and people so close to you that you're able to train with. And did you remind me again, did you find them through just training at the Y or was it a local tri team or just happened to find out your neighbor likes doing tri too? When I was in Ohio, I found them at the Y. Uh, so I was actually their instructor and they were taking my cycling class. But then I met my coach at like a coaching continuing ed he ended up coaching me. I now coach for that team. And honestly, that's the whole reason I moved to Indiana. And uh, because I knew I had I had to get out of the situation I was in prior. And so um, I moved to Indy, kind of lived with teammates for a little while until I finally settled here. And uh, honestly, it's why I met my husband because I was not living in Indiana uh, at the time. And so, uh, really like without my teammates and all of them, they're kind of responsible for all of this. Yeah. So I often joke with that too. I'm like, here, you're responsible for this child. So <laughs> here he is. Um, <laughs> yeah. you have to help me out here. This is all your fault. You're now a coach. And what are warning signs you see maybe in your athletes? Have you ever dealt with an athlete that is covering it up and you know, obviously your experience is probably a, a big help in maybe identifying it. What What are your steps? How do you tackle that with them? Yeah, I have, I think especially in terms of the Ironman athletes I've coached, right? So people who are doing the really long stuff, even half Ironman for, especially when people have kids and jobs and are doing all these training hours, it's really easy to get into burnout and like that fatigue that comes from long training hours. I, I like to encourage people to really take an off season or even like the week post race, unless they've got another one coming up immediately, it's athlete directed movement. So whatever feels good. If you don't want to swim, don't go swim. Like if you don't want to like what feels good, what brings joy? Um, and that's really what 
I have had a few athletes who have really struggled with that of, and, and I find usually it comes from uh, probably a self-esteem issue or something of that nature. I am pretty open with the fact that like I've been to therapy. My husband's been to therapy. We are like, I've had a life coach. We're huge proponents of getting professional help. And I do tell people, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a life coach, but I have like, I have some tricks in the toolbox. And if this is something we think we can work through together, this is why. And I usually, or we can try that. And I usually tell people like first, like, if you're thinking of what you look at your weekly schedule, you look at stuff, what would bring you joy in this moment? Like what sounds good to you? If going for a like bike ride doesn't sound great, but mountain biking does, maybe we can work some of that in. And maybe it's a compromise of bringing some fun back into it. Or, you know, it's not ideal in your schedule to have this women's ride on a Monday night, but if that brings you joy, then let's throw that in there. I've also had to have the conversations with people of, hey, like, I know you want to volunteer for this woman's ride, but is this more of a stress to your life right now than it is helping? And so a lot of times it's going through a a week with them looking through a training plan and saying, where can we eliminate stress? Kind of like, if we're still going to do this race, sometimes we scrap a race. Like I've had athletes scrap a race and just be like, you know what? I can't like, we're going to get rid of this for your mental health and that's okay. It's, it does not bother me as a coach. This is about you. And so let's scrap this race. But a lot of times it's looking through, okay, like say we're going to do this race. What do we need to adjust and what's the bare minimum we need to do to get to the start line so that you can finish this race and have joy. And then we'll evaluate from then. But that's usually, that's usually my biggest recommendation and like what we work through with, or is there some other because exercise is stress. If there's some major life stress going on, maybe we need to reduce some of our training stress. So maybe that looks like just sitting on a bike and riding or riding for like to a funny movie. And that's what it is. Like maybe we take out your Zwift race this week because the race, like you can't handle the stress of racing right this second. And then it is like, if I have somebody in Indy, I have resources of people like therapists I can send them to, or even just like letting them know, like, hey, you're not alone. And this happens. Sometimes it's it's a temporary thing of like, hey, I've had a bad week. I didn't like the way I looked in my tri kit. I didn't like how this, like whatever it happened to be. And it's it's the simple conversation of you're not alone, or this seems to be a theme with a bunch of athletes this week. What's going on in the like, is it tax time? And everybody's just a little, you know, like sometimes there's a, a general out like external stressor that's coming in and I see it in more than one athlete. And honestly, like for some of my female athletes, cause I do coach quite a few women. I'm always like, Hey, what time of the month is it? Like we know, right? Like we know things are going to feel a little bit harder in training for the next two weeks. And so you've just got to be aware of that that it's not going to go perfect or it's not going to feel great, but that's okay. I remember we're all here and they're like, oh, like usually it's a, oh yeah, <laughs> I remember. Or this is why like I'm crying over my intervals today. I'm like, listen, I'm with you too, okay? I'm here with you. And I also cried over my intervals today too. It's fine. We're all going to move past it. Sometimes- I may have cried over mine too. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's fine. Um, sometimes- <laughs> It's, and this goes a little bit more into like the gray area of training and coaching, but sometimes it's a nutrition issue. And I think that's, especially in long distance racing, I think that's an underestimated, 
underfueling can lead to a lot of like anxiety, depression, uh, and mental like mood problems for athletes. And so it's a conversation a lot of times too of like, hey, we just ramped up. Like you went from training from a 70.3 to an Ironman. How's your fueling? When did you eat after your last workout? And let's have that conversation. And I, I think that's one that always I kind of like forget about even in my own training at first is like, oh, this requires X many more calories. And like, I can't just like in the off season, oh, like I eat lunch a little bit late. I'm okay. In like peak Ironman season, if I miss a meal, that's it. It's done. It's done for everybody around me. And like, there's no coming back. It's a dark hole. Like, and so being able to have that conversation with people as well, like, Hey, are you getting enough fueling? Are are you there? Like, do it, do we need to have you go talk to a registered dietitian? Do I need to have you meet with a sports nutritionist? Is this an eating disorder problem? Or is this just, oh, I forgot that I'm training for like I'm burning this many calories a day and I just need more food. So there's kind of several different approaches, but I usually have them just start talking and telling me a story and usually it comes out in the wash like if you're just willing to jump on the phone and have a conversation and say like hey i've noticed like you missed a bunch of workouts this week your language is changed a little bit what's going on start telling me about your life usually it comes out with what the problem is either if it's nutrition based or it's a bigger issue or it's just something temporary in their life that needs an adjustment in training that's awesome. Jillian mentioned in the intro that, about a pre and postnatal certification that you have. Can you unpack that for us? What what exactly does that mean? How does it play a role in your coaching world? Yeah. So um, I selfishly got, I hold several other fitness certifications, but I, the end of 2021, no, at the end of 2020, uh, beginning of 2021, knew that there was probably a good chance at some point in 2021, hopefully that I would be pregnant. Uh, and I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to do it correctly. I knew it was, I had done some workshops on pre and postnatal exercise, but then realized as a trainer, like most of my clients are women. Most of the people I coach or, or will have a child at some point in time or have had a child like before. And it, there's just not and then when I went and was a pregnant like person myself and was at the doctor and like realized all the poor information and like the lack of care that is for women who are not from like a medical perspective who are pregnant, like you go to the doctor more than I've ever been to the doctor in my entire life for those nine months. But then afterwards, and even in terms of fitness, like the different things that people would tell me and even some of my doctors like, oh, like don't lift over 10 pounds, but while well, I was pregnant, don't lift over 10 pounds, but you can do as much cardio as you want. And I like, remember looking at them, I was like, I don't think you realize what I do. Like you're telling me that I go for a 120 mile bike ride, but don't lift over 10 pounds. I was like, I also, I have a toddler, like who weighs 30 pounds. So that's also not going to be, I was like, I'm just going to beg to differ with you uh, and would see other doctors. But that was really my main reason for getting that certificate program to add on to my personal training was to be able to help women prepare for and then train during and train safely with the latest guidelines, up to date information of what you can do. Because I will say like, pregnancy is hard. 
uh, and it's hard on a body, but it's a whole lot easier if you're in shape already. And so being fit, being able to stay as active as I could in between being sick while I was pregnant and postpartum, like I had a much easier time returning because I was active because I did the little things like even just sitting and breathing correctly, like and learning like your core is shot. That was okay. So this is getting back into training postpartum like people are like oh like just go to the pool right swim like it's low impact it'll feel great have you ever tried to swim with no core it's horrid like i thought i was actually gonna drown like i got halfway down the pool and i was like i need to stop and tread water because i think i may like what happened to my core i was just in shock like i had never experienced anything like that before and then i realized I was probably in better shape than 80% of the population who has like it becomes pregnant. And that's what I felt like after this, we're really underserved. And I've, I've heard my entire life, you know, as a young fitness instructor, it was like, excuse me, I can't do jumping jacks because I pee myself. And like from 80% of the females I've ever trained and going through this certification, I was like, that shouldn't be like you shouldn't have to live like this there are ways to correct this and there are exercises you should do and exercises you shouldn't do and so that's really what what i learned and what i specialize in now is taking especially women like that you know giving them exercises of what you can do in sport while you're pregnant what's safe what isn't safe what's going to help you and set you up for after essentially like functional fitness for caring for children and chasing after them all day long and then returning from back to exercise what's safe what's effective as well as in there was included with the certification that I did if somebody's goal is natural childbirth like cardio intervals specifically designed to mimic labor right and so and then recovering which is really cool like it's something that, yes, it's not everybody's goal, but if you have those people, in my mind, that's probably the most athletic event you'll ever do is birthing a child. And so preparing them for that, training them for that process, if that's their goal. And it's pretty cool. I have a couple of pregnant clients who I get to train virtually and in person now that uh, we get to use these things with. If nothing else, you're bringing awareness that there are folks like you that have this specialization out there and and there's thousands, millions of women that need to hear that and go looking for that advice because uh, certainly I, I know what my wife went through with two C-sections and losing the core particularly, uh, it oh, just yeah. shuts off and having to reactivate those muscles and, and doctors didn't know what to do. It took physical therapists, it took exercise physiologists to realize, oh, well, let's connect these dots and get you back on on the right track of health. But but the damage is done and it takes a long time to build it back. It does. Yeah. And I mean, rightfully so, like there's a time and place for the medical profession. Like, I mean, I would not have known how to take care of my post-birth complications. Like that's what they do really well. Right. But then it's going forward. And I do think there's been more acknowledgement lately, especially even in triathlon. Um, I think one of the best things for women in sport could have been Chelsea Sodaro winning Ironman Kona and getting the recognition and then her being willing um, to talk about her journey and talk about, she put out a post the other day saying like, hey, you know, like I wish, like I had to go back and see a pelvic floor therapist because I like, I did some damage returning too quickly and just not, 
I didn't know. Like, and nobody really knows until you have the problem and you're like, oh, like this is not so great. So, and being willing to talk about it again and have those resources and just bring light to it is really, a, really an incredible thing because a lot of women don't know that there are resources available to them and don't realize that they're like, again, that you don't have to live with peeing your pants all the time. Like you, you can be set free from that. Uh, so, and that, I had to laugh when you said that one of my uh, personal training clients, I have a group of ladies that I train three days a week. And one of them the other day was like, I don't pee myself as much now when I'm doing jumping jacks since we've been doing all these core, these core exercises. And I'm like, Oh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> You're like, my day is made. I'm filing that in my box uh, yeah. of compliments that like when I'm exactly. having a bad day, like she doesn't pee herself as much, like winning. Exactly. Um, but yeah, but it's true. And just like every, I mean, carrying around a kid and car seats are heavy and like just in juggling car seat and toddler and all of this, like, I just, I oftentimes find myself saying to people and even to my doctors, like, I don't know how people do this and don't get hurt if they're not working out and they're not strong because you like, there's so many, I mean, it's no wonder why people trip over things and fall down and break their ankles. Like, because it's, it's an athletic event and juggle and, and kids move and squirm. They're not stationary like a a dumbbell, like they're all over the place. So being able to work with, through some different tools to help mimic that movement. And I'm fortunate to train in a place in person that has some of those things, which really helps people. But yeah, it's, it's just a, I think there's been a lot more awareness in the past few months, in the past couple of years to us, like, especially pregnancy and women in sport and, and specifically training for specific needs of women. Um, and if I can help shed a light to that and help promote that and help correct the problem and the imbalance to that training in our field and, and in the fitness industry, then fantastic. And if that's my platform for the first all women's Kona in 2023, then so be it. I'll uh, live and die on pelvic floor therapy and being like, hey, you can come back after childbirth. Don't let, because that's the other thing I had been told by so many people like, oh, kids will ruin you. Like that's, that'll be the end. You'll never be fast again. And I'm here to say I'm faster than I was before. So it's not true. And, and stand up for, and, and I think that's, it's really cool how it's being proven that you can be both a mom and an athlete of whatever level you want to be at. And, and it's, it's possible. It doesn't have to be one or the other and, and both require some level of performance, right? Like it's tough to be a parent. That's a performance to be a good parent. Like that requires a lot of, of performance and to be a good athlete that requires performance and to be a good employee that requires uh, performance as well. So it's really just, just changing the ideology of what performance is and applying it to every aspect of our life. Yeah. I think a lot of women have um, been proving that stereotype wrong this year, I think even throughout the Olympics, on the track and throughout triathlon. So I think it's been really great to see and really refreshing to see as well. I will yeah. say, unfortunately, I've got to go try to be a good mom. It is my daughter's 15th birthday today. And there are six or seven girls outside my door that I can hear. And pretty soon they're <laughs> hungry. And we have to uh, hit the road here in a little bit too to go up to the mall, of course. Um, no better, no other place I would rather be spending my time 
Just kidding. Um, (laughs) As long as they're happy, then I'm happy. So Amanda, super great conversation. Guys, Matt, Jay, I apologize. I've got to run again, but no worries. Life, right? (laughs) It is. Such is life. Tell her happy birthday for us. Yeah. Happy happy birthday. birthday. All right. Thank you guys. I'll, I'll catch up with you all next week. And Amanda, super great getting to hear your story. I can't wait to hear more. Thank you. Yeah. Right. See you, Jillian. So, yeah, Amanda, I mean, you've obviously had a great journey. I mean, I think everything you've done from that first race to, I mean, your most recent Kona qualifier at Chattanooga, I mean, it's been undulating to say the least. I mean, you've definitely had highs, you've had lows, everything in between. It's It seems like you're really embracing all of this new motherhood. Uh, you got two small boys, a wonderful husband, supportive husband, it sounds like. And yeah. uh, it sounds like everything's leading the right direction for you. I know we definitely want to wrap things up here in a few, but what advice or what one last take-home message would you want to share with everybody just about your journey and about the perseverance and everything you've been through? Oh, man. Oh, that is that is a fantastic question. You know, I I think for for me the thing that I would tell people to sum up everything is like find find something you love and go do that and do it with people who you love uh as well. And I I know like we were talking about when we we're I qualified for Kona and my husband and I had the conversation of well do we want to bring our kids and like it's it's a lot that's the other thing you want to calm race anxiety just bring your children with you because you won't even be able to think about the race so that's a pro tip for you but i uh we went back and forth and we're like oh it's a long trip it's this like do are we gonna have help um and at first we had said no i was like okay let's just go us and let's just go and like focus on this race and do not do it uh not bring the kids and then I watched Chelsea cross the finish line and hug her daughter at the finish line. And I'm sitting there like in the middle of a hard workout, sobbing on my bike as I'm watching this because she's got an 18 month old. Oliver will be 18 months when I'm in Kona. It's like the same like total fangirl. I was like, this is my story next year. And I watch her hug her kid. And I was like, man, that's part of my why. Like we do this together, right? Like I run my run and then I come back and my toddler, we do a loop around the knit like the cul-de-sac and our run shoes and we go for our run like we've right. we've talked about how to to get our water bottles he stands out there with my water bottle and like gives it to me during training runs and like man but like it without that without the people who i love and like not that i want to get into the the kona drama that is now of 2023 and 2024 but for me like before anything else part of the sadness of that was shoot like we call it the people I love and care about who I consider my family. We don't get to go together anymore. And we've overcome that. We've come to terms with it, right? Like, it's okay. We're going to cheer each other on. It's going to be fine. But that was the initial sadness of like, but we sign up, we always race together. We like, doesn't matter. Like we're going to, we, we, our race schedule is the same next year because we go together. Like this is our group. It's our family. So, you know, you want to like, there's there's that african proverb right it's like if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together like that's what it is it's what it is about in life and for me telling people like the people who are still in this sport the people who i've coached for the longest the people who have been around for forever they sports become a family for them like and it's because they've surrounded like their spouses are at races their children are at races like it's a whole thing it's part of who they are um and for me that was i found something i loved and now 
I found the people who love me and love what I do and we all get to do it together. And it's, it's, it's the memory, it's the experience, it's the journey. Yeah. That that's great. I think that's a big, big message for everybody to remember. It's, it's better together. And I think at the end of the day, it all goes back to the people that we choose to surround ourselves with, the people we choose to invest our energy into and our, and the people we choose to spend our time with. Well, everyone, we're going to end the conversation there. This episode was a bit longer than we typically do, but we wanted to be sure you heard every aspect of Amanda's journey. She's filled with life and provided so many lessons for all of us venturing down this triathlon path. We want to thank Amanda for her candor and willingness to speak so openly about the trials and her tenacity in overcoming them. By the time you listen to this, the North American race season will have ended with Ironman 70.3 Florida. We hope all those that raced met their goals and learned either through success or failure. If you've been listening to our adventure from the beginning, thank you. We are truly inspired by the comments we've been receiving. Please give us some feedback either on the podcast platform you listen on, or you can email us at triathlonagegroupjourney at gmail.com or visit us on Instagram at triathlonagegroupjourney. Until next week, make every day count. 